recorded. As soon as I push that, now I'm kind of wondering, did I record group A? Oh, if I miss that, I'm going to be so mad. Anyway, hopefully we, I got that one recorded too. Um, so yeah, we have quite a daunting task of trying to wade through the information this week. So chapters 41 through 46 are pretty intense uh, with their literary structure and their complexity. Um, we've just been kind of simmering the the concoction of Isaiah so far, but here it's where it really starts developing uh, a lot of meat, but um, very complex flavors. So um, just kind of pulling up the um, picture from the Bible Projects video. We're not going to watch it, but um, I found some of the imagery here very uh, good to, to tell this part of it. So with the Bible project, they interpret it uh, in a little bit different way than, than Abraham, which is great. So from chapters 40 through 48, they talk about how this is the great trial of Jehovah. So in chapter 40 is when Isaiah prophesies that the captives are going to return from their future Babylonian captivity. And then as soon as they return, they put God on trial and say, no, it was the, the gods of, uh, of Babylon, the, the gods of these uh, foreign people that delivered us, that uh, God didn't seem to have a part there. You had abandoned us, etc. And so it goes back and forth between uh, God and his people um, talking through this whole process. And so at the end of it, chapter 48, we find out that Israel just won't accept it. And uh, they are still going to be rebellious. And so uh, after chapter 48, then it goes to the actual end time servant who is going to be um, a replacement for the, the people as a whole. And so <clears throat> taking a, a look at that and now transitioning over to uh, Avraham Gileadi and uh, kind of how he's interpreting these chapters. Um, let me pull up my other thing. I have so many screens this week. Sorry. I, I know that that's kind of boring. <clears throat> Where did it go? Oh, right there. Okay. Um, so here is the chiastic pattern of chapters 41 through 46. And this can be found um, in the, the book, The Literary Message of Isaiah. And so uh, this is a... a a very complex chiasm. It goes from A all the way to O, and then O back to, to A here. And it is a chaos and creation pattern throughout this whole um, section of, of scripture. But if we take a look at what the Bible project was talking about, and, and kind of uh, interpret it this way as well. So each level, as we can see here, I've color-coded these. The white ones are creation, and the black ones are chaos. So it goes creation, chaos, creation, chaos. And if we mirror that with Bible Project, how they're putting God on trial, going back and forth, saying, no, you didn't deliver us. But then Jehovah going, of course that was me. What are you talking about? And then this and that, and creation, chaos, back and forth. Um, it's, it's quite the, the handoff and, and stuff. So um, I thought we could just kind of read through it. Hopefully that wasn't too 
boring for group A. Well, <laughs> uh, we got lots of good discussion of it, but um, anyway, uh, let's just talk about each part of the chiastic structure. We'll read the, the verses and um, just kind of do that as a jumping off point. Um, so I'll go ahead and uh, start and we'll kind of rotate through, through people. So it says, who has raised up righteousness from the east, calling him to the place of his foot? Who has delivered nations to him? I foretell the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done. I speak and my purposes take effect. I accomplish all my will. I summon a bird of prey from the east, from the distant land, from the man, or not from the, <laughs> the, the man who performs my counsel. What I have spoken, I bring to pass. What I have planned, I do. Hear me, you stubborn hearted, who are far from righteousness. I will grant deliverance in Zion and to Israel my glory. And so right here is just kind of starting off the trial. It, uh, Christ is, or Jehovah is putting forth his, his first um, argument. It's I who have raised up righteousness from the East. Um, this is what I have done. And, and then we'll see Israel's <clears throat> rebuttal here um, from, from their idolatry perspective. Mom, you want to go ahead and read those? Toppled the rulers, rendering them as dust to his sword, as driven stubble to his uh, bow. I will make of you a sharp-toothed threshing sledge of new design, full of spikes. You shall thresh mountains to dust and make uh, chaff of hills. I speak not in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I do not ask Jacob's offspring to send, seek me amid chaos. I, Jehovah, tell righteousness, and I am forthright of speech. Gather yourselves and come. Draw near, all you fugitives of the nations. They are carried about, they who carried about their wooden idols and prayed to gods that could not save them were caught unawares. Bell slumps down, Nebo is stooped over. Their idols are loaded upon beasts and cattle. The images you bore aloft are piled as burdens on weary animals. Such gods together sag and bow down, unable to rescue their burden. They themselves go into captivity. Hear me, O house of Jacob, and all you remnants of the house of Israel, who have been a load on me since birth, borne up by me from the womb. Even to your old age, I am present till you turn gray. It is I who sustain you. It is I who make you. It is I who bear you up. It is I who carry and rescue you. So yeah, we see that idolatry is one of the, the main things that always brings uh, God's children down into that, that ruin motif. But um. Uh, we see that that's, that's huge in the Babylonian captivity, that idolatry is what kept many of them from even returning back to, to Israel, even uh, with the three different waves, with Zerubbabel, with Ezra, with Nehemiah, um, many still stayed in, in Babylon because of idolatry. But yet, 
Christ is is telling them, it's it's I who am bearing you up. Um, yes, you've warranted punishment, and and I'm the one that that deals that out. But these idols don't do anything for you, and yet that's why you're staying captive. Like they, you, you choose, <laughs> choose you this day whom you will serve, whether it be that or or whether it be uh, Jehovah your God. Um, let's take a look at this one. Tracy, you want to read that? Sure. When the poor and needy require water and there is none and their tongue becomes parched with thirst, I, Jehovah, will answer their want. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up streams in barren hill country, springs in the midst of the plains. I will turn the desert into lakes, parched lands into fountains of water. I will bring cedars and aseas myrtles and oleasters in the wilderness. I will place cypresses, elms, and box tree trees in the steppes, that all may see it and know, consider it, and perceive that Jehovah's hand did this, that the Holy One of Israel created it. But Israel is saved by Jehovah with an everlasting salvation. You shall not be dismayed or put to shame worlds without end, for thus says Jehovah, who created the heavens, the God who formed the earth, who made it secure and organized it not to remain a chaotic waste, but designed it to be inhabited. I am Jehovah. There is none other. Yeah. So eventually all of the stories of all the prophets, you know, take a, a good hard look at the creation story. Creation is is huge in the scheme of everything. That's kind of the pattern, the template, the archetype for uh, everything that God does. Um, he plans it spiritually and then creates it physically. And here we have um, that creation motif uh, played out through here. He is declaring that it's by his works that, that things are created and, um, uh, and takes care of his creations. Um, if, if there's poor and needy that require water, you know, that, that he takes all of that into consideration. Um, he, he doesn't forget his creations once he's, he's made them. Um, let's see, I'm trying to look, it's only given me like three people at a time, but, um, Nancy, you were on here, right? If you could read that, that next section for us. I am. Present your case, says Jehovah. Submit your evidence, says the King of Jacob. Let them come forward and recount to us their prophecies of events heretofore. What were they? Tell us that we may examine them and know whether they were fulfilled or predict the future for us. Tell us of events to come hereafter so that we may know you are gods. Perform something good or evil at which we will be dazzled and all stand in awe. It is clear you are of no account, that your works amount to nothing. Whoever accepts you is himself an abomination. As one, the makers of inventions retired in disgrace, utterly dismayed and embarrassed. <laughs> Isn't that such a fun group of verses right there? You know, how many times do we see that in our day? Like, no, show us something, dazzle us, you know, just, just wow us with your miracles. But I mean, that's not what, <laughs> that's not what we get. Uh, we... <laughs> When we're warranting the, uh, when we've ruined ourselves and and warrant the the punishment, 
Uh, it's not the time to be dazzled and, and wowed with angels and ministering, etc. We have to, to wade through and um, prove our loyalties and stuff. Yeah, but I, think this this is, I think this is Jehovah making that point, right? That, mm-hmm. um, you know, you think you're so great. You think you're so wonderful or your gods are so wonderful. Have them do this. Come on, show us. Mm-hmm. Show us what they can do. Oh, right. They can't. Sorry <laughs> about your luck, right? And, and then they leave, right? Because they can't. Do they convert? Do they change their mind? No, they just, you know, it, it, it has no impact. So even whether or not they can or cannot dazzle, it really is not um, impactful on somebody gaining a testimony because that's mm-hmm. not where it comes from, right? Yeah, looking in the wrong places for, for a testimony. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so here we see the first of the four archetypes. So last week we talked about the Davidic figure, but there's four different figures in this section of the Bifid structure. There's the Davidic figure, the servant figure, the warrior figure, and the Cyrus figure that are going to be played out. So Davidic figure was last week in chapters 9 through 12. And then this week in 41 through 46, we see the other three, warrior, servant, and uh, Cyrus. And here is the, the first one, the, the warrior figure, and he's going to be compared to Cyrus over here as well. So it says, I have raised up one from the north who calls on my name, who shall come forth from the direction of the sunrise. He shall come upon dignitaries as on mud, tread them like clay, like a potter. It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I, with my hand, suspended the heavens, appointing all their host. It is I who rightfully raise him up, who facilitate every step. He will rebuild my city and set free my exiles without price or bribe, says Jehovah of hosts. Um, So we see uh, kind of that uh, composite image being built there, right? Uh, Taking a look at the end time servant, who's going to be both a warrior and a a Cyrus type figure, kind of a, a... a builder, a rebuilder of cities and um, uh, can set exiles free. Uh, again, you know, Moses uh, plays that part as well, but um, here it's con- contrasting the, the warrior versus Cyrus. And mother, would you read that one? I have raised up one from the north who calls on my name, who shall come from the direction of sunrise. He shall come upon dignitaries as on mud, tread them as clay like a potter. Surely they are all iniquitous. Their works worthless. Their outpourings are but wind and emptiness. Woe to those in conflict with their maker, mere shards of earthenware pottery, as though the clay were to say to him who molded it. What are you doing? Your hands have no skill for the work. Woe to those who say to their father, what have you begotten? Or to the woman, what have you born? Thus says Jehovah, the Holy One of Israel, their maker. Will you ask me for signs concerning my children 
or dictate to me about the deeds of my hands. I love those verses too. Like, <laughs> what? Who does this pottery think it is calling upon its creator or molder to say, "Your hands have no skill"? <laughs> kind of thing. like this is some some cartoon level stuff, right? I mean, <laughs> we don't see earthenware pottery talking back to us, um, but that's what we are. Like, man is nothing compared to to what God is making of us and yet how often do we in a uh, degenerate state start talking back to our makers saying oh you don't know what you're doing you know it would be so much better if you did this for us or or um anyway just <laughs> uh his ways are are perfect and, and endless and yet um sometimes we are um like inanimate objects that uh think we know better um, Tracy, would you read that one? My servant whom I sustain, my chosen one in whom I delight, him have I endowed with my spirit. He will dispense justice to the nations. He will not shut or raise his voice to make himself heard in public. Even a bruised reed he will not break, a dim wick he will not snuff out. He will perform the work of justice in the cause of truth, neither shall he himself grow dim or be bruised until he has brought upon about justice in the earth. The isles await his law. Thus says Jehovah God, who frames and suspends the heaven, who gives forth to the earth and its creatures the breath of life to the people upon it, spirit to those who walk on it. I, Jehovah, have rightfully called you and will grasp you by the hand. I have created you and appointed you to be a covenant for the people, a light to the nations. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by name. I named you when yet you knew me not. I am Jehovah, there is none other. Apart from me, there is no God. I girded you up when you knew me not that men from where the sun rises is where it sets, may know that without me there is nothing, that I am Jehovah and that there is none other. I fashion light and form darkness. I occasion peace and cause calamity. I, Jehovah, do all these things. Rain down from above, O heavens, let the skies overflow with righteousness. Let the earth receive it and salvation blossom. Let righteousness spring up forthwith. I, Jehovah, create it. I think those are such powerful verses right there um, in that creation motif. And um, as we see it, it's contrasting the servant in the first part to the Cyrus figure in the second part. So like Isaiah is pre-exile, right? Before the Babylonian captivity comes in. So Cyrus is, is a future figure. And yet um, he says, I call you by name. I named you, yet you knew me not. I mean, this is, this is long before that's happened. And who has the power to do that? Not idols that, that Israel's worshiping, but only Jehovah could, could do that and know and... Um, have all of this power that's listed here in the the first part um 
the breath of life, the spirit to those who walk upon it, etc. I think those are some very powerful verses in, in this literary structure. Um, this next one says, Jehovah will come forth like a warrior, his passions aroused like a fighter. He will give the war cry, raise the shout of victory over his enemies. For a long time, I have been silent, keeping still and restraining myself. But now I will scream like a woman in labor and breathe hard and fast all at once. I will lay waste to mountains and hills and make all their vegetation wither. I will turn rivers into dry land and evaporate lakes. Who says to the deep, become dry. I am drying up your currents. I think these are probably my favorite verses. <laughs> we read those last time and I just loved them. Because like, what imagery is this? After Christ was crucified and we go through the dark ages, the apostasy, I mean, we have this uh, right here. For a long time, I have been silent, you know, uh, keeping still, restraining myself uh, to, to certain degrees. But now I will scream like a woman in labor and breathe hard and fast all at once. <laughs> I mean, does this not sound like our day? <laughs> there's, there's so much happening. It's coming at us so fast. Um, it's very much like uh, the labor pains, the birth pains of the Messiah, like Avraham talks about. Um, but, but not only that, he's laying waste to mountains and hills and vegetation withering. Like there's some, some powerful imagery here. And who says to the deep become dry. Like what if all of a sudden the oceans are just gone? Like they become dry, drying up the currents. I mean, yes, symbolically, but, but also literally like he has the power to do all things and um anyway there's 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 a lot of um fun imagery in, in these two verses here comparing them. i think we're seeing a lot of rivers turning to dry land right now um these mm -hmm. evaporating lakes I, I just saw an article today that the great salt lake has is down so far that it's um its elevation is now 4191 feet or something like that which oh, wow. apparently is low, right? You know, mm -hmm. that's 400 feet below me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, it's more than that. I'm at 4,800. But, it, you know, it, that it, the water is level is so low in the Great Salt Lake and in all of these other lakes because of the drought. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm seeing this right now. He's evaporating the lakes. And where's all that water going? It's getting dumped on the East Coast, right? You know, mm -hmm. so all of the water is being sucked out of here and it's being dumped somewhere else. So it's it's drying us up and it's flooding them and it is bringing this desolate, this desolation that is part of the judgment on us for turning away from him and turning to idols. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then if you tell anybody that, they look at you like whatever. It's like yeah. it's easy to see. I mean, you guys were asking for a sign just a few verses ago. Dazzle us, and then when they they're go, dazzled, they don't. Really. And they go, "Oh, you science denier, you." Yeah. <laughs> it's right. it's right. a crazy thing. <laughs> it's all climate change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is just normal. This is par for the course. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Tell me another story. <laughs> All right. Um, Mother, would you read this one? Then I will lead the blind by a way they did not know and guide them in paths unfamiliar. The darkness confronting them, I will turn into light and the uneven ground make level. 
These things I will not fail to perform. Ponder these things, O Jacob, and you, O Israel, for you are my servant. I have created you to be my servant, O Israel. Do not disregard me. I have removed your offenses like a thick fog, your sins like a cloud of mist. Return to me. I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for what Jehovah has done. Cause it to resound, O earth beneath. Burst into song, O mountains, forests, and all trees therein. Jehovah has redeemed Jacob. He shall be glorified in Israel. Thou says Jehovah, your, rede your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I am Jehovah, the maker of all things, who alone suspends the heavens, who himself gives form to the earth. Now, these are some really good ones. I, I love um, the imagery here, but... Um, like in that, that first part, I will lead the blind by a way they did not know. And I mean, aren't we seeing that as we awaken to um, higher learning and mysteries and, and the things of the Lord? It's not, you know, generalized. And uh, sometimes we're like, why can't people just talk about this? But it's, it's paths that are unfamiliar because we have warranted the the ruin and the the punishments of of Jehovah. I mean, we we've went through uh, quite a period of uh, of idolatry, and so these paths are going to be unfamiliar. And He's going to lead us in um, in His own way and and through uh, a faith. I mean, we have to kind of take steps into the dark a lot of times. Um, but isn't it great to be taught by the Lord and um, uh, being led to the things we need to study from a from a day-to-day -day perspective i find that a lot by studying isaiah it's like oh here's here's some things that you just aren't going to learn in sunday school but um he's just kind of flooding new and exciting information all the time as we're we're diving into like as soon as you're ready to come to him he's ready to come to you kind of principle so cameron my mom is 92 and she has a hard time seeing a lot and uh -huh. so when she's walking around the house, she can walk around just fine because she knows where she's going. But if we go someplace where she's not familiar, um, she, you know, it's, it's like being blind almost. And if the path is unfamiliar and everything is kind of dark, she has a really hard time if it's not bright sunlight out, you know, so uh, any little uneven crack in the sidewalk, um, sometimes she doesn't see curbs, you know, things along those lines, they can be super dangerous. So here's the Lord saying, if you're blind, you can't see what's coming. Um, it may seem like it's dark, but I'm going to shed light onto it. I'm going to make it bright so you can see, and I'm going to take all those cracks in the sidewalk and the uneven things, and I'm going to level them out so you don't trip and I'm going to do this for you, and I'm going to lead you, so I'm going to do this for you, and then I will not fail to perform. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wonder, is he going to do it for me or not? He's not going to fail, so we have, he's telling us, trust me, I've got this, and, and we are very blind right now. We can't see the future. We 
you know, we can read scripture and we can hypothesize about what it's going to look like, right? Mm -hmm. And some people have been given visions of things that we we look at and go, okay, that gives me an idea of what it might be like and and um, whether or not that was the same thing that we thought of. Yeah. It allows us to just create a picture in our head. It makes things a little less scary for us. Mm-hmm. But here's, here's Christ telling us, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lead you. Trust me for those who trust him, right? And on the other side... Um, he's saying again, you know, oh, Jacob, oh, Israel, you're my servant. I created you. I'm, you know, don't disregard me. Don't, don't forget about me, right? I've removed your offenses like a thick fog. So if our offenses were like a thick fog, think of how, how much that is around us and how that would blind our vision, yeah. you know, and, and your sins as a cloud of mist. When we think of Lehi's vision, do we think of the fog and the mists of darkness as our own offenses and our own sins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do we bring that on ourselves? And he's saying, return to me. You know, I've already done this for you. Be grateful, accept it. I've, I've redeemed you. I've glorified, you know, I will be glorified in Israel as long as you come back. You know, when you come back um, and, and so he's trying to tell people, you can't see, but trust me, come back to me, leave your own mists of darkness behind and I'll bring you into the light. Yeah, that's awesome. Very powerful. And so like the first thing that, that popped in my head when you were um, saying that was like, look at the... Um, Nephites in America, when uh, right, right before Christ came to them, I mean, everything was broken up. They had all of these destructions and fires and earthquakes, etc. Like, I mean, the ground was not made level <laughs> yet, but yet, how many people made it to to Bountiful, to the temple, to um, to receive Him, etc. Um, you know, because the the world might be tumultuous, but like if we have faith in these words right here that he will lead us and and make the uneven ground made level for our sake for for the righteous and stuff if we will just do it kind of thing yeah it, it did take them a few months to get there i know that's a tangent <laughs> if you want to have that conversation i'll have that conversation with you sometime <laughs> it took them almost a year if you actually read mm-hmm. if you read and we always miss it at the beginning, the, the earthquakes and everything happened at the beginning of the year. And then at, um, they were gathered together. They the were temple. gathered together at the temple um, for the next year. Mm-hmm. At the closing of the year. And it was probably, um, what was the Feast of Tabernacles? Isn't that where they all come together and go to the temple mm-hmm. for the yeah. Day of Atonement, right? So the Day of Atonement happens in September, and Christ was crucified in March or April. So it took him a few months to get there. And that's why, you know, they're all gathering together and marveling with each other about all the things that had changed, right? Wouldn't that be what you'd do? You'd gather everybody together. (laughs) What happened in your area? What happened in your area? You know, we, well, we had this, we had this, but it would be the people who were coming to the temple to keep the law 
even in the midst of all of the terrible upheaval that they had, right? That's who he came to. Mm -hmm. That's and, who he came And to. is that going to play out again almost exactly like that? <laughs> it may. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's I don't know. We'll see. That's where personal <laughs> revelation and being where he wants you to be is yeah. very important. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and I like here in this uh, right-hand side there where it says, Oh, Jacob, and you, oh, Israel, because we're, we're talking about kind of two levels of people. They're on uh, that same, not two levels, two categories of people within the same level there, uh, Jacob mm -hmm. and Israel. But I have created you to be my servant, oh, Israel. And so um, showing that, that Israel is, is one who has entered into covenants, who has been recreated kind of a thing uh, from that, that Jacob um, part of, of that wrong there. Um, it seemed like there was something else I was going to... Oh, um, burst into song, oh, mountains, forests, and all trees therein. Um, so we see like the different levels of, <clears throat> through Isaiah, a lot of times he uh, breaks quantities into um, into metaphor there. So trees represent people, forests represent communities or wards, and mountains of trees, forests, like extended forests are, are nations as a whole. And so um, to have all burst into song, not just here a little and there a little, but, but everyone, um, to, to cause it to resound, I think is very powerful. Oh, heavens and earth beneath, like everyone burst into song. And it's not like some Disney song that's <laughs> crazy, but this is, this is eternal life here that, that we're talking about. Um, let's see, Tracy, would you read these ones? Sure. By those who trust in idols and esteem their images as gods shall retreat in other, utter confusion. All who manufacture idols are deranged. The things they cherish profit nothing. Those who promote them are themselves sightless and mindless to their own dismay. They are followers of ashes. Their deluded minds have distracted them. They cannot liberate themselves from them or say, surely this thing in my hand is a fraud. Very interesting stuff there too. I mean, it's not only necessary to escape idolatry yourself, but not to even manufacture it or um, promote or engage in it in any way for other people. Um, it has to be a complete fleeing of Babylon, not just, just partial. Um, so we have, we don't have little clay idols that we worship today. So how can we, what can this translate into us for us today? Well, I think it's like some of the literature, like for me as a school teacher, Harry Potter, you know, stuff like that. Um, people, they get so addicted to it as a, at a young age that there's, I mean, they carried on into adulthood, you know, just obsessed with it. It's just little things like that where I see it. Um, it could be, I also see it with people who worship sports teams. Mm -hmm. You know, they go to all the games, season tickets year after year after year. And like right now, 
I was reading the other day, what are they doing? They're they're gonna sing some different national anthem and Sorry. a lot of people have all these tickets and they're wanting out of it. They just don't wanna play anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, how am I gonna get out of it? Cause there's these huge penalties and stuff to, mm-hmm. to stop participating in that. Yeah, it's just chaos. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and I think we have many idols, you know, where our heart is, there is our treasure also, you know, look around, what are the things that we truly treasure? Mm-hmm. You know, are they our houses, our cars, our, our stuff, our stuff How much money is spent by people every year to protect their stuff. There's whole alarm systems and you know, ring things and, and video cameras and all these things. And what's it for? It's to protect our stuff. So somebody else can't come and take our stuff. And stuff on the other hand, matter. it's a way for them to spy on you. Mm-hmm. Like the ring, that's, oh, yeah. I think it was developed by Chinese and, and they can now spy on you. Like it's creepy. <laughs> Yeah, they're very unsecure. But yeah. you know, the when you look at it from all this from idols, um Avraham wrote a really good book. Um he actually took a whole section of this book and he pulled it out to make one just on modern idolatry. Um what is that? Last um I, yeah, from the windowsill in the bedroom because that's where I was reading it. Sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think it's last days. The, so the blue first, one. Um, maybe it might be. Um, I have so many of Abraham's books. I half the time I don't know which one I'm reading. So, um, <laughs> but as I was as I was reading the first chapter of this book, I was like, wait a minute, I've read this before. This sounds familiar to me. And I also have the little skinny one, Modern mm-hmm. Idolatry, right? And the modern idolatry book is pretty much just word for word the first day of uh, first chapter. Yeah. Last days, types and shadows from the Bible and the Book of Mormon. And the whole first chapter he put in its own book, Modern Idolatry and the End of the World. And he actually gives us um, a bunch of things that are our idols. Like what? You know? And um a bunch of things that are the idols that people worship, right? And how that affects everything. And um, let's see, he talks about a lot about the nature of idolatry, um, true and false worship, the images that we create. And, you know, think about what the world has gotten to be. We have all of these social media um, influencers. They put up their pictures and their videos. And what do they live on? They live on the images and on the followers that they can get and all the things with television and and violence and sex and rock music and what else? The organized sports. Yeah, he talked about those. Um, And then the human idol. Who do we, who do the, I mean, geez, we have a TV show called American Idol. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then the imaginations of the heart. What are imaginations of the heart? I mean, we hear that all the time, right? Um, our reasonings and rationalizations. Mm. 
think about that. How much do we let our reasonings and rationalizations rule ourselves so that hmm. we're following those instead of following the Lord? You know, and then he talks about nature cults, which is, you know, the people who think that the trees or this animal or this plant or this bird or whatever mm. is more important than human beings. Or, you know, and, and mm -hmm. you look at all of the, the um, climate change stuff that goes around it and right. how they want to kill off all these humans because we're killing the earth and the earth is the most important thing. And that's, that's a nature cult. You know, it, it's all part. These are all parts of the idolatry of today. And there are so many members of the church even who don't realize that these are their idols. Mm -hmm. And yeah, even just a year ago, like I was still steeped in, in quite a few things and stuff. And then like, holy cow, once you kind of remove the blinders and mm -hmm. see idolatry for what it really is, it's like, oh my gosh, I just need to get rid of all this stuff. <laughs> like you said, yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then like a lot of the idols, like I've been learning this is terrible but the satanic idols but so we have the i love you sign you know mm -hmm. but it's it's, a, it's actually satanic and and they even make them into emojis and i am so like oh my goodness they're everywhere just people throw up a peace sign that's also a satanic sign everything that's been yeah. good it's been turned to evil it's just crazy mm -hmm. yeah satan's working extra Ex I mean, just going sneaky also sneaky mm -hmm. yeah, for sure but yeah like it, it said here their deluded minds have distracted them it, it's yeah. all about distracting as soon as you can pull somebody away from the the things that they should be doing that it's so easy to get distracted we were talking in group a about you know, like Facebook, how sometimes it's it's very idolatrous because, uh, you know, like you might be scrolling along with with good things, and then all of a sudden you go down a rabbit hole or get distracted and stuff, and mm. and then before you know it, it's it's idolatrous. And I mean that I, you all know that I have my <laughs> ins and outs with Facebook and stuff, but like so many times the Lord has just like straight up told me get off of Facebook, like don't even go back, like just just cut it out completely. And then he'll lead me back for one little discussion here or, or this or that kind of thing. But it's such an easy pitfall for me. So he leads me away from it more than he guides me to it. But yet there's, you know, there's benefits, there's groups, there's different things that, that need to happen. But anytime that, that distraction can come in, that's, that's just Satan's playground is distraction. Yeah, away for sure. Stuff that matters. Well, and it comes up with notifications, you know, it goes, oh, this happened or that happened or somebody, mm -hmm. somebody responded to your, your question. You're like, okay, what group was that in? And until you <laughs> tap on it, it doesn't take you there. And then you can see what they said, but you know, you don't want to miss, you kind of feel like you're in a conversation with somebody now, if they respond. Yeah. And so yeah, you want to see what it is and, you know, uh, and before you know it, you look up and, oh my gosh, it's been two hours. Where did that time go? Now I'm behind. And now the time that I thought I was going to set aside to study has been spent, you know, looking at my little phone, That's right? And, and how much does that happen? And so we just have to be um, 
we have to be just more aware Mm-hmm. And and maybe if you get on Facebook, set a timer on your phone for 15 minutes or whatever the time is, and then it will at least ding and ring at you. And then you go, oh, okay, I've spent that time. I need to move on, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, those kind of things may help you. But if you are full-blown, totally submerged, like most of our youth are in yeah. social media, um. It's hard. Satan has really done a really good job of subvert, mm-hmm. subverting this generation. I, I had a big conversation with my daughter last week. You know, she's, we'd said we're not going to have our phones on Sunday. And then I look over and she's texting and all this stuff. And I'm like, what did we just talk about? She's like, well, I was just doing this and this and this. I said, no. <laughs> It's like, okay, I'll go repent. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard, though, to. Yeah, it's hard to leave that. It's hard for me to stop. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it, though. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. It just takes a a firm mindset and stuff. And sometimes it's just those those growing pains, you know? Sometimes it's really hard. But as soon as you do leave it for a a good amount of time, sometimes you look back and go, how did I ever get so drawn into it and stuff like you know sometimes if you go on like a diet and give up sugar or whatever kind of thing and then it's like man I don't even crave it anymore but then two months down the road you've had one taste and then now you're eating whole cakes and stuff and then you're like okay I'm, I'm back in <laughs> bring on Babylon <laughs> what is sugar, the taste you are referring to <laughs> peace I haven't had cake in a couple of weeks since the last birthday. <laughs> I know. I'm starting to wonder if birthdays are an evil plan just to get us to eat. They're cake. evil, right? <laughs> cake. Let them eat cake. Yeah. Right? <laughs> For sure. Um, oh my gosh, we're almost out of time. Well, let's actually, because most of it is going to hinge on the other part. Um, but yeah, any kind of final thoughts, any uh, insights into uh, what we've been studying the past two weeks. So we started off with ruin and rebirth. We go into um, rebellion and compliance. And now we are just finishing up um, that punishment and deliverance. So, I mean, we've been on quite a journey, but this is all building up to the apex of this great chiasm of Isaiah uh, the next two weeks will be humiliation and exaltation, which um, are kind of the crux of, of what uh, was so eye-opening for me uh, going into Isaiah. I didn't know that there was a descent before you ascend, that all of this stuff is, is for our good, and it's, it's very cyclical and everything. Um, but learning about this chaos and creation uh, this week has really helped uh, just open my eyes to the goodness of God and how he's always there, even though we might put him on trial, even though we might drag him through the, the mud, <laughs> even though we're the mud, um, uh, he is so patient and loving with us. He will remove our sins and transgressions like that thick cloud that it talked about in that verse. Um, uh, he's so loving and uh, he will do, I mean, he has done everything for us. Um, we just have to, to turn it around to, to do firm resolves in our, our decisions and 
um, sometimes that requires taking steps in uh, the darkness uh, before he will uh, shed the, the full light and, and guide our path kind of thing. There's, there's so many great um, metaphors and similes and uh, imagery within this section of Isaiah. Um, yet, if <laughs> I think those are some of the chapters that really were hard for me to push past or push through prior to understanding what Isaiah was all about, you know, like going through Book of Mormon or even going through the Old Testament Isaiah. It was like, oh my gosh, all of this poetry-ish type stuff is just so boring because I didn't understand what I was trying to pull out of it. But having some framework, having some understanding on what he's trying to get at here has been so helpful to understand this structure and and what it means for the end time. Because he's all the time building up these composites and, and helping us kind of remove the blinders that we've had on uh, ourselves for so long. But yeah, just final thoughts, interesting things that um, you've experienced with Isaiah, etc. I like the deliverance part. Um, if we trust in the Lord, if we're keeping our covenants and doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, he is always there for us. I mean, have you ever had a time when you've asked and he hasn't been there for you? I haven't. He's, he's always there. Sometimes when I don't even deserve it. But we just need to trust in that. He keeps telling us. How many times in those verses he was reading? I'll be there for you. I will. I will. I'm here. I'm here. You know, we got to trust that. We're going to go up against some hard times and stuff with the tribulation stuff. But we, we can't just get bogged down by, by fear. Mm -hmm. it, it's easy to do. It's so easy to do. But we just got to trust in our Savior. He'll be there for us. Yeah. Anyway, I just love the delivery. One observation that I have had is that you know, we're looking forward, we're expecting hard things to happen to us. But for those people who are following the Lord, the hard things are not that hard. Because one, we're expecting it. And two, because the Lord is sustaining us. Now, there will be many, many people around us who are not looking forward. They're not connected to the Lord and they aren't sustained by him because they haven't made covenants or following through. And for them, it really will be hard. So you'll actually see the difficulty of the trial, not through your own eyes, but through the, the reactions of others. So that's where a lot of times we kind of get fearful of, oh, my goodness, it's going to get really bad. And um, I guess as a blessing through the Lord, it doesn't get as bad as we always imagine it's going to be because that is what the that is what the adversary wants. Mm -hmm. So it if I've learned anything it's it's always worse in what I believe it's going to be than what the Lord actually brings to it. And if it does get really really challenging, the Lord sustains you and carries half of the burden. So there you go, you've got it. And there won't be won't be anything bigger than you can't handle. Right. Mm -hmm. And fear and faith doesn't co co coexist. 
Mm -hmm. So which do we want? We want the fear or we want to... It was a really interesting uh, podcast. So Avraham's 24-week lecture on the dreams, visions, near-death experiences, there's one toward the end that I was just listening to this last week about faith and... um, I forget what it's titled. I could find it. But anyway, he had some very interesting points about fear and faith. I mean, they seem pretty basic principles, but like the way that he was describing them in context of Isaiah, how the faith, um, ah, I wish I could like remember the actual phrases that he uses, but um, it's kind of like by their fruits, you shall know them. It faith always has works and fruits proceeding out of it and if you're not seeing that that's how you can proceed forward with knowing who are true messengers kind of things uh anyway it was a very interesting podcast if anyone has time to, to go listen to it but um i faith is such a huge principle and the more that i learn about it the more that i know that i don't know <laughs> but like lectures on faith an, an amazing resource to go through it and and really study it in depth um uh anyway that i, I love that you you brought up faith here uh, about that and fear and and going through these these hard times but looking at at those around us how many times have we looked at somebody who has went through something that we've already been through and we're just like oh you'll you'll make it it gets better don't worry like you've got this but um you know if we were called to go back through the exact same thing we would handle it much better because we know what the outcome is we might not want to necessarily but um Mm -hmm. for for somebody going through a hard trial for the first time it sometimes it just seems like there's no end but yet that's what the savior is there for to help uh uh, lighten that burden or, or carry the load that, that we're experiencing. And he always, always sends messengers to help us through it, uh, whether it be from this side of the veil or the other, but um, whoever's higher up on that ministering ladder, um, that's the great part of the whole plan right there, that, that we have so much help. Uh, there's always... Um, somebody even if we might not recognize them or believe that they're there or whatever um that there's always people helping us uh, through it if we just got to call on god and ask that's the whole crux of the the thing forget all of the idolatry forget your selfish tendencies and just ask for things that's and, the whole thing and the savior needs us the ones that can be strong enough, he needs us to help him uh, with these missions and to be proxy saviors ourselves and help pull others up the ladder. And he's counting on us. I think that's why he's awakened us is so that we can be his helpers in this very thing. Yeah, to start ministering in higher and holier ways, um, mm-hmm. whatever level of the ladder we're on, uh, there's always more to be done, more uh, people to help. You know, we have a whole earth here <laughs> that's suffering in in idolatry and, and wickedness, and, and it's just an amazing plan. The whole plan of salvation is amazing. Yeah. Um, President Nelson had a, a quote that um, actually this was just this just came up in um, Sunday school today. 
He says, I urge you to stretch beyond your current spiritual ability to receive personal revelation. For the Lord has promised that if thou shalt ask, thou shalt receive revelation upon revelation, knowledge upon knowledge, that thou mayest know the mysteries and peaceable things, which that which bringeth joy, that which bringeth life eternal. I love that. I mean, how many times have I heard that thing? But it's bringing a lot of new light now. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we know you ask, you're going to receive. What are you going to get? You're going to get revelation. You're going to get knowledge, the mysteries, the peaceable things of the kingdom, right? Yeah. Um, that brings joy and life eternal. Isn't that what we want? Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, this, this works when we're trying to make sense of Isaiah, when we're trying to figure out what the next thing is we're supposed to store or where we're supposed to live or what we're supposed to be doing mm -hmm. or, you know, all of those things. The Lord is ready and willing to answer any question we give. And if we ask him every morning, please let me know who I should serve today. He will put those opportunities in our path. And he will show you who to serve. And at the end of the day, you can then report back and say, this is who I served. This is who I helped that you sent my way. And I think as long as we're on that path and we're following him, all the, all the scary things that are coming in the world aren't going to be nearly as scary. Because the Lord will be there to lift us up. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, <laughs> it's been a, a fun couple of weeks studying this uh, section. I'm super excited for, for next the next two weeks on uh, humiliation and exaltation. I think there's a lot to be learned there. But yeah, it, it's so fun now reading all scriptures in, in new light and going to the temple and just like, oh, it's all been here all along. I just have new perspective to see it with. Um, but yeah, I... Thanks everyone for, for showing up and having good discussions and, and being uh, willing to learn and be tested and <laughs> uh, go through this, this process. It's always fun. I, I love every minute of it, but yeah, we'll see everyone next week. <laughs> we'll see ya. Bye bye.